Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Vox Tablet. It's me, Sarah Ivory, your host. Today, Madeleine Albright's wartime experience. Madeleine Albright was, as you probably know, the United States' first female Secretary of State. And it was in the process of becoming the Secretary of State under the Clinton administration that she first learned that she was born Jewish. This was something her parents, who'd converted to Catholicism in 1941, never told her. On account of her father's diplomatic work, the family, which was Czech, moved around quite a bit when Albright was a small child, first to Belgrade, then, during the war, to London. Now, Albright's written a book about the war years. It's called Prague Winter, and it recounts both the larger Czechoslovak experience during World War II, as well as personal accounts from that time. Well, we're very excited today to welcome the Honorable Madeleine Albright to Vox Tablet. Madeleine Albright, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Secretary Albright, your book is both a memoir and a history. World War II has been over for decades now, and the events of the war are quite well documented. So I wonder why write this book now? Did you feel that the accounts of the war that are out there, specifically about the Czech experience, were somehow inadequate? The reason that I wrote the book actually was very personal, because the uh, things that I had begun to find out about my family really uh, were, uh, I think, still pretty mysterious to me, and I kept being asked a lot of questions by people, and I also wanted to pay respect and homage to all the people who had died, and so I thought it was really important to go back and find the personal story out, but you ask an interesting point about the historical part of it, and that became very, very important because I think the context in which all the things happened is something that helps to explain uh, some of the behavior of the people involved. And in many ways, though, a lot of World War II has been chronicled. A lot of the run-up to World War II, um, I think, was not as well chronicled as I thought as somebody who was a student of history. And the experiences, especially of a small country, like Czechoslovakia, that was a relatively new country and whose fate was decided by large countries. So I've, I've kind of the way I talk about the book is in three levels. One is that at the core, it's a personal story. Um, and then the next level is the historical context of it in what is an amazing period from 37 to 48. And then the third part of it is really the difficulty of the decisions that people had to make at that period, the morality of them. So that's kind of the way I layered the book. You mentioned at the start of the book that you learned of your parents' Jewish background in a very public way. How did that come to pass? How did it unfold that you learned about it? Well, this is what happened. I had, uh, while I had had various jobs in my life working in the on the Hill for Senator Muskie and the Carter administration and a professor, I did not really become a public person until I became ambassador of the United Nations in 1993. And there were several profiles and things that were written about me. And all of, you know, I started to get letters from people um, in a variety of languages, um, some of which I could read and some of which I couldn't, some in Czech, um, in various kinds of handwriting that my staff couldn't read. 
And the letters were very scattered in terms of what they were talking about. They uh, Sometimes people would say, I'm a friend of your family, send money, or I'm a relative, send money, I need a visa. Or some would say, I knew your father when he was in high school in 1915, which would have been impossible since he was born in 1909. Or um, And some indication in some of the letters that somebody was Jewish out of some village that bore no relationship to my family. So then what happened when, um, kind of like November 1996, I got a letter from somebody who had all the names right and the little towns right and the dates right and said that um, you came, your relative, your parents came from fine Jewish families. So I was just being vetted to be Secretary of State, and what happens is you called in by White House counsel, and they ask you all kinds of questions about everything, taxes, family, um, and in my case, since I wasn't born in, in the United States, you know, how we came to America, et cetera. And then at the end of it, the people said, is there anything that we haven't asked that you think we need to know? And I said, well, I don't know myself but I have reason to believe that I am of Jewish ancestry. And they said, so what? The president isn't anti-Semitic. <laughs> so then what happened was that you are not allowed to talk to a reporter between the time that you're named and the time that you're confirmed. And Michael Dobbs, who is a reporter at the Washington Post, wanted to do a profile of me. And he, um, we gave him names of various people um, that... Um, lived in Europe that he might want to talk to. And it wasn't until I was confirmed that he came into my office and started giving me this incredible material about the fact that three of my grandparents had died in concentration camps and a variety of other issues, which I found stunningly hard to believe. Uh, and I have likened it to the following thing, which is that it was as if you're asked to represent your country in the marathon and just as you're about to leave, they hand you a very heavy package and they tell you to unwrap it while you're running. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to remember there were questions as to whether a woman could be Secretary of State, period. You know, and so I had to get right to work and do that and at the same time handle this issue where I was accused of lying and, or being stupid or all kinds of things. Very, very difficult while I, you know, was being celebrated as the first woman Secretary of State, all this other really horrendous information was coming out. So I sent my brother and sister to the Czech Republic to begin to unearth the story. So that's that was the way it uh, unfolded. For uh, listeners who haven't yet had a chance to look at the book, I wonder if you can tell us briefly uh, what did happen uh, to your parents' families during the war. Well, it's uh, hard to do briefly. Let me just say this. What happened was that my um, father's parents, um, they went to Terezin, uh, and then my grandfather died in Terezin of, um, if one can say, natural causes, because he caught, they had so many diseases going on. And my grandmother then was later um, shipped on to Auschwitz in uh, a train that uh, was the third to last train that went there um, and um, and my on my mother's side uh, 
my grandfather on my mother's side had died of natural causes in, in 1935, but, but my grandmother went to Terezin, and then she was sent east, and people don't really know what happened. Um, and as it turns out, by looking at the family tree, um, it became very evident that 25 members of my uh, family did, in fact, um, die in concentration camps. When I read the book, I mean, it's such a sobering account. And in your case, you did lose so many family members, though, of course, as you're growing up, these weren't people that you knew even existed. For your parents, though, it's really hard to imagine how they coped with that loss because they did know these people. Uh, and while they were alive, I understand from your book, they really offered you no clues as to their thoughts on this, as to any grief they were experiencing. But then you found these papers, specifically your father's papers, uh, and there were some clues that you gleaned about his feelings, about his sadness. I wonder if you can share some of their perspective. Well, first of all, I, I have gone over in my mind a lot um, how my parents behaved when I was little. I mean, you have to understand that I was two when we left Czechoslovakia. And uh, I actually, it occurred to me when I was talking to one of my cousins that I had never called anybody grandmother or grandfather. I never remember uttering those words about anybody. Uh, and then we, I was eight when we returned to Czechoslovakia, and I kind of felt that uh, uh, I, I, I can't really remember how my parents really behaved. I don't remember hysteria or anything like that. And then when we came to the United States, um, my parents did everything they could to make our life seem normal. I mean, we had been plucked up again and lived in Denver. Um, frankly, we had no idea where Denver was when my <laughs> father got the job there. And so I, I've gone over in my mind how they, how they possibly could have dealt with all this. What did happen when you talk about Clue is that... Um, in fact, in going through these papers, I found the manuscript of a novel that my father was, work, was working on in which there is a protagonist whose name is Peter who returns to um, Czechoslovakia after the war seeking his relatives and doesn't find anybody. And, and I think that in many ways that is the way that he dealt with it in terms of putting these feelings um, into this very, very moving novel, uh, which is very sad, in which he talks about basically uh, a scene that I describe in the book about where the, the pillow that he puts his head into after he's been searching for people around Prague uh, was like a grave. And so I think that the thing that I learned from them in, in doing the research on this that they never could find the words to do this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the hardest parts about the book is trying to speculate about it. Have you found since uh, the revelation came out that your family was Jewish, that people, the public, and particularly Jews, expect you somehow to embrace Judaism or some kind of Jewish, in, or some kind of Jewish identity in a way that feels inauthentic or disingenuous? Uh, it's interesting that you ask it that way. I, I think that um, there are those who have asked me um, if I am going to... Uh, 
convert or reconvert, I don't know what you would call it, you know, to become a Jew. And, and I have said that um, it's, you know, when you find out something when you're 59 years old, what is the right thing to do? And, um, and so I think there are those who, who ask me that question. And what I say is what I'm going to say to you is that uh, I am many things. I mean, I know I am of Jewish heritage. Uh, I was raised a Roman Catholic, practicing Episcopalian, a Democrat with a big D and a small D, and a mother and a grandmother and an American and of Czechoslovak origin and grateful, you know, and I can't separate all those things. And so I sometimes say I'm like America, indivisible. So I'm all those things, but what is in, just so you know, my youngest daughter's married to a Jew and they're raising their children Jewish and we are getting ready for Benjamin's bar mitzvah. So um, it's a combination of things. Um, two weeks ago, I went to a very moving Seder at Rabbi David Saperstein's and then on Easter Sunday, I went to Harper's Ferry, West Virginia and went to a sunrise service that was completely ecumenical. So uh, I'm all those things. I have one last question since we have you on the line, and it's a bit of a departure from the book. But since you were the Secretary of State, I wonder what do you think is the most pressing foreign policy issue facing the current administration? I think it is how to deal with a completely um, restructured world where we have all spent our time, at least most of people my age, in a world where we were operating with nation states trying to figure out how to affect their behavior, how to really protect the national interests of the United States, uh, and um, use a set of tools that basically affect how a leader deals with his territory and people. I mean, there was a whole way of operating within a set of international institutions. We are now dealing with a series of very complex problems that are interlocked in a way that hasn't happened before. So I, I do think that among the various issues that are out there, in addition to ending Iraq and Afghanistan, are the, um, the momentous changes that have been um, wrought by the Arab um, awakening. We don't even know what to call it. You know, I, I had a discussion with somebody an Arab who I said we can't call it the Arab Spring anymore because it's the winter when we had this discussion. And I said, so I call it the Arab Awakening. And he said, that's really insulting. The Arabs haven't been asleep all this time. And I said, so what would you call it? And he said, Arab Troubles. And I said, well, what about Arab Opportunities? So just in those four sentences, you can see the effect of it. And I think that the uh, massive changes that have been wrought by that are the biggest issues that are out there for the administration to deal with in national security. And then, of course, how to deal with um, a rising China. So there's an awful lot going on, and some of it has to do with the fact that it's a, it's a very unsettled period. Secretary Albright, thank you so much for speaking with us. It was a great pleasure and an honor to speak with you today. Thank you very much. Madeleine Albright was the 64th Secretary of State, and she's the author of the new book, Prague Winter, A Personal Story of Remembrance and War, 1937 to 1948. 
It's out now from HarperCollins. If you like today's podcast, why not share it with others? And we welcome you to please also subscribe to Vox Tablet on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcast browser. Go for it. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>